Wednesday and welcome back to another informational, powerful, information-packed episode. Did I say informational? And edutaining, of course, on Ready, Set, Real Estate. Okay, who's wrapping up the year already? Me, I'm wrapping up the year already. <laughs> I am, I'm so ready to wrap up 2021. It's been wonderful. I'm looking forward to 2022. Yeah, I, I, I am. All right, if you're new to the show, say hi, say hello, drop a comment down below, press one, let me know you're here. Press two lets me know that you shared it and we are bringing the show back. So we are continuing our series on real estate crimes. Yes, real estate crimes. Today, we are going to touch on defrauding big government. Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. I'm not saying how to defraud them. We're going to talk about those who did defraud them, specifically during the 2008 housing crisis. Okay, we're going to talk about the crash. And I think it's timely because there's been a lot of discussion in the air bubbling about a housing crash, housing crash. Drop down in the comments below, hashtag housing crash. Do you think there's a housing crash coming? Well, let's talk about the symptoms. And I think the best way to learn and understand where we're going is to understand the history of things, right? Hello, Cindy's in the building. Shout out to uh, my dear friend, my, my sister from another mother, Cindy. She said, I'm here and I've shared it because she knows whenever I open my mouth, listen, I'm dropping real estate gems, right? <laughs> so happy holidays to you. Happy birthday months to you, uh, to both of us, by the way, to both of us. Um, and and I, I love it when people who know me personally and connected with me uh, are also owners and uh, homeowners and investors and so forth and so forth and have been in it for a long time. Oh my gosh, I could do a whole segment on uh, Cindy alone because she purchased after the housing crisis. So I want to hear your input. You know, I do. I want to hear your input when, <laughs> as we talk about the crash, how did we get here? Okay. So before I do that, let me do announcements. Uh, I, I started to say, but then I get all excited and I get all warm and fuzzy because I'm back on and I'm live and I'm like, oh my goodness, I missed doing the show. So some of you may say, well, where have you been? Listen, I've been out here building 10 toes to the concrete building up the business, uh, just so much content with so much that's happened, which is why I started on Real Estate Crimes. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in, I'd love to know where you're streaming from, because guess what? The show now is streaming on our Facebook platform, our Twitter platform, our LinkedIn platform, uh, YouTube platform. So we're streamed live and then the radio podcast everywhere and Instagram everywhere right there's only one instagram <laughs> the metaverse <laughs> uh is now getting our replays okay so if you are tuning in live wonderful wonderful glad to see you here and taking out time of your day and if you're catching us on a replay make sure you drop hashtag replay in the chat in the comments you know why because then i get notified right and then i come on and I'm personally commenting, right? This is not Lisa's whole production team and assistants are chiming in and comment. This is me. So oftentimes you guys are connecting with me and asking me questions. And I, who am I, right? Who am I? Who am I? 
what, what gives me the authority to even come on here and talk? So just a snippet, and and I'm, it's almost starting to be a little bit embarrassing of how long my CV is getting. It, yes, I when I when I speak and people say, you know, send over our your bio, send over a short bio, and I'm just like, ooh, ooh, how do I how do I do that? How do you send a short bio for someone like myself? Because I'm very ambitious. I'm a go getter. I I produce, I create. And so I've got this long CV that I've been adding, but I'll give it to you in short. Uh, I'll, my name is Lisa Gillette. I'm known as Super Agent. I am a California licensed real estate broker. <laughs> she says she does it all. I'm a California licensed real estate broker, and I am show host, creative producer of Ready Set Real Estate. Uh, I teach real estate literacy to youth ages 10 and up, youth ages 10 and up. And what does that mean? We introduce uh, real estate concepts to our youth and young adult community. I love it. She's like, she makes dreams come true. Listen, y'all might think I'm paying her to drop comments. No, don't do that. No, 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 I'm not. Yeah, I'll Venmo you later. Uh, but yeah, that's super cute. And that's, that's, that's all love. That's all love. And, and I think anyone who's connected with me know that I'm all about love, supporting you. Ultimately, it's really supporting about what you want to do and how best I can assist with that. So I'll be it. You are, you are real here and local and you're tangibly seeking to uh, obtain your real estate. And <laughs> D, shout out to my, my, my brother, DeAndre. Letter. He says, I'll pay her. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, shout out to all of you who who are connected with me and just kind of know that I'm really, truly passionate about what it what it is I do here. And this is why I miss doing the show, because I, I it's not the technical side of the business, right, where it's like sometimes it's serious. Like right now, I've got clients in escrow and they are negotiating their contracts. And, you know, it's kind of like a tense time. It's the end of the year. People want to, you know, am I going to get my house for Christmas? Will I be in my house for New Year's? Am I going to get this lease agreement done? And all these different things happening. So I appreciate uh, just being on the show because I, I can have fun. And, and in the process, I can give you that edutainment. I can educate and inform you on what's happening, right? So my brother, DeAndre, great seeing you on here on the live. Appreciate the support. All right. So I have, uh, you know me, so I kind of like to do, when I'm by myself, I will do classroom style, right? I don't want to be talking at you. This is a two-way conversation, just like you see here. I love, love, love when you're engaging. Um, it makes me all warm and fuzzy, but it adds to the conversation because this is a conversation. This is not for me to just talk at you. I need this back. So for those of you who are on live and what you can remember, what do you remember about the housing crash? Just drop it in the comments below. Again, hashtag housing crash because that's what we're where we're going with it. And we're going to make today's show short and sweet because I actually, you know, I'm actually still on the clock. I've got to go show a property to a client who's trying to get into something uh, before the year's end. So hashtag housing crash, right? Hashtag housing crash, housing crash, housing crash. And shout out to my brother, Evan Jefferson of ERGJ, also the Black Billionaires Club. We are streaming live for that organization and group. And like I said last time, if you have an organization that you would like for us to stream into, make sure you share 
right? Or reach out to me directly and say, Lisa, listen, we'd love to have you in our group and we'd love to have you go live. There's a way to do that. Just like you see here, ERGJ, it's one easy link. Boom. He has nothing to do. He can sit back and relax and let Lisa and her team do the rest. So if that's something you're interested in, reach out to me. I have room for one more spot, one more spot. Let's do it. Let's get it. Okay. So what, what would you, what would you say that you remember about the housing crash or what have you heard? Because listen, I got in the business 2006, just finished college. I just finished college and um, I broke even and I had no money, meaning I owed no loans, no student loans, fortunately for me. Right. And everyone's situation is different. That was my scenario. Right. I came out with a degree. Boy, was my life challenging to getting there. But still at my core, what I had as a desire, I wanted to get my real estate license by the time I graduated. So by the time I walked the stage, I wanted to come out with my real estate license and I was able to achieve that. But the challenge I had is I'm first generation real estate professional, meaning I don't have any real estate connections. I don't have anybody, my family, my upbringing. That's not something in my world per se, right? That was a, a direct resource to just kind of coddle me and nurture me and mentor me, if you will, and, and groom me. Didn't have that. So I, I figured it out. But what was interesting here is because now we are in, I was in South LA, I'm in South LA. And back then, South LA was bubbling. And the pricing was just like, whoa, 800,000, 900,000, a million dollars. And here's why in context, I want to talk about it because we are there again. South LA is a new LA luxury market. For those of you who are unaware, DeAndre says the crash was actually educational for me. I learned about a lot about real estate by following the stories on TV and in print. I, and I want to talk about that because that's interesting. You learned about it in TV and print. See, I learned about it behind the scenes. <laughs> TV and print, as we kind of see during the political campaigns, they're going to, you know, hype that up and, and, and show you some of the stories. But how many of you watched like the big short, right? The movie, the big short or the documentary surrounding the housing crisis and most people, if you kind of now you're behind the scenes, because I was privy to that. I was privy. I won't say any names, but I knew uh, I'd have to ask him permission if he wanted, wants me to, when I discuss this story, I'll ask him first if he wants me to disclose his name. But I came as a newbie. I was green. And uh, <laughs> I was green, meaning I did not know what to look for. I did not know what the market was doing. I did not know kind of what, you know, when it paused or when it slowed and when it oops and, and uh-oh, we need to pivot. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know, just like what DeAndre is saying, he learned that what to look for and what not to do. I I, I was so green. I didn't, I didn't know for most of us, right? And this is 15 years ago. So, so just kind of give some context. How long ago? Where were you? What was going on in your life 15 years ago? And for me, I was new. I was just coming out of college and just, I was looking to close my first deal is what I was looking to do. Um, and it was very early on. And one of the things that I was privy to 
is through a real estate professional, a colleague of mine came to me and he was working with one of the banks. He was doing loans. And he said to me, my colleagues, he says, uh, something's happening. My colleagues, my coworkers are filing for disability. Disability. They are declaring stress and whatever anxiety and whatever else. And I'm like, that's strange. What, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I'm not in that world. They were seeing what was happening with the loans. Everybody was writing high times, right? People were closing deals. Wasn't it just like back 15 years ago, we had so many people jumping in to get licensed because it was so easy to close deals and make money, everybody. I mean, that Wolf of Wall Street movie was, it was like that, right? It was the great Gatsby of the 21st century. That's what it was. And that's why I love that movie, the remake of the great Gatsby. I love the, love the book, right? The original and, and the original movie. And then I like the remake. I really like what they redid there because it was, it was the high times, high rolling, fast money. Everybody was doing it. But then the ish happened. And what I thought was really interesting is when it hit the fan is the stories and the aftermath. And I talk about this with the with the students that I teach and connect with is uh, the, the sad stories and 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 really the tragic losses of the families that were impacted by what we call the subprime mortgages. So I'm going to pause there and we're just going to dig deep here on some terms and definitions and talk about Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And it might be some some big world concepts about financing and money you may not have heard or understood. But in our world, right, the real estate industry, there is this you, the consumer, if you are uh, on that end of it, you are creating a new loan called a mortgage. You are using the collateral, right? The collateral is the house. And you are promising to pay back the bank, the lender, in installments over a period of 360 months, that's 30-year loans at whatever interest rate you are agreeing to in exchange for you to get the house. Now, your loan, if it is government-backed, meaning your loan, uh, albeit now packaged and it meets the underwriting guidelines, because here's what people, I've said this, and you probably don't realize this, unless you've worked with me, you know this each lender has what is called an overlay and now this is going into real estate 102 right we real estate 101 now we're going to 102 a little bit here each lender has their own overlays which is why if one denies you what do i say if you know me what do i say if you know me what do i say if one bank denies you what do i tell you go find another one why because they you may not meet that bank's guidelines you don't meet the overlays they're putting on top of what the uh, government-backed mortgages may require, right? What the conforming loans may be requiring. And I'm just going to throw these terms out here as you, you know, so you can familiarize yourself and you can chew on it later and just take your notes. As you know, when Ready, Set, Real Estate's on, you should have a, a, your tablet ready, your pen, paper, pad, pencil ready, because you know I'm dropping, I'm dropping. This is cl your, your classes in session right? With a smile. <laughs> um, so now you've got the mortgage, 
you've got a mortgage. And so here's what's happening, right? So if you get denied, and at that time, what product was popular? Subprime. Drop that in the comments below. We had subprime loans. And that means that you did not, you don't have, uh, you're not as credit, credit worthy. You've got low FICO score. Your credit profile and history says you are a risk. That is what your FICO score is measuring, is how risky you are to a lender. And before I jump into all that, let me just let me just kind of bring it back real quick, right? Let me just bring it all back. Let's just bring it all back. Subprime FICO scores and lending. Your credit score, for example, credit card, those are small loans. Your credit card is a small loan that you borrow money when you charge and you're given 30-day cycle or less, right? 25 day 25, 27 to make a payment before interest is charged on the money you borrow. Credit cards are short-term loans. When you when you charge it, you are borrowing money, you're borrowing against the credit, and then you are demonstrating your ability to pay the money back in a short period of time, you're on time, on time, make sure you pay on time. And therefore it generates, albeit uh, through their reporting system, it generates a FICO score, a history for you. Now, in some of my archive videos somewhere, I'm sure I talk about uh, credit and all that fun stuff. So if you wanna know how it's how, how to break down credit and, and you can Google that stuff as well, right? Um, but it's it, it's broken down in your your credit history, your ability to pay new accounts, et cetera, et cetera. Now mortgages are a big deal because that's a big loan. It's one of the largest uh, investments that you will make in your life, and therefore the your ability to pay that is uh, weighs very heavily on your credit. Okay, all right. So now we have FICO scores and credit scores and I'm getting somewhere right because I'm getting to talk about subprime because now we have a market that's popping right it's 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 booming prices are ticking and then we have this product that's been around it's always been around adjustable rate mortgages and how am I on time all right okay Ju adjustable rate mortgages arms arms remember the arms it's funny because my clients now come to me and they, i don't want any arm i don't want an arm listen the arm product was not your enemy the arm product today is still not your enemy the arm product was designed for a particular borrower where are my entrepreneurs at here right business owners self-employed that is who that product was designed for why because their income fluctuates throughout the month quarter year season and that product was designed to cater to when they have a great cash flow months they can pay a little more or when things are slow they're not penalized for paying less remember it was called now i wouldn't say remember but if you're new to this it was called pick a payment loan remember the pick a payment loan the challenge or the issue arose when that loan product was now sold to everyone. And in particular, 
people who were either subprime borrowers, who were risky, had risky credit profiles. And then where the crime happened, okay, there was crimes committed because we're talking about real estate crimes. Where the crimes happen is where now those loans were steered to people who were not subprime borrowers. They had great credit. They looked great on paper. And when you look great on paper, that means you have your track record of your W-2s, you've paid tax returns, you've got your, your down payment and closing costs seasoned, and you've got a FICO score at that time above what it needed to be. Now, since the pandemic, the requirements have changed on where the minimum FICO score is to qualify for uh, what we know as first-time homebuyer loans or low down payment loans. But let me just give you this quick little disclaimer because see, people take this information and they, they apply it to everything. The truth is there are no FICO score requirements. <gasps> when people come to me and say, well, what does my FICO score need to be? You, there's no real FICO score requirements. Remember a few minutes ago at the start of the show, I said each lender has their own overlay. That's the lender stipulating what they will allow to be an acceptable FICO score. If you put less than whatever that bar is, they will want you to put a higher down payment. See, let's put this in context, right? Let's talk about, let's talk about big money. Big bank takes little bank. If you have money, have you noticed you don't really need credit? You don't talk about credit? That's because you're not looking for down payment assistance. You you have resource, you have funds. No one's no one's saying, oh, I'm not going to give you a loan. Your FICO score is 500, 580, but you have about $200,000 season in your bank account. You come up to any lender or any bank, they're, they're going to say, yes, yes, we want, we want you as a client. Don't worry about your FICO score. We'll figure that out. Isn't that funny how that works? They'll figure it out they will figure it out. So I just wanted to be clear and put it in context because sometimes people get wrapped up. I've got clients that text me on a regular and it's totally fine. Um, prospective buyers are texting me and they're checking their uh, their FICO score and experience and they're saying it's going to refresh in 30 days and it's going to be this and they're looking to get it bumped four points, 10 points, 12 points and it goes, it fluctuates seven points down, nine points up. And it, I mean, that's almost like watching the stock market and it drives you crazy. What you should be focusing on is job security, saving, that's seasoning your money, and just paying things on time, right? Paying things on time. That's what your focus should be. Because you trying to gauge and monitor the credit is going to, drive, is going to drive you crazy, as, as, as I see what it does with the stock market. So that, that's just my tidbit. Don't stress yourself out about it. All right. So as we continue, now we've got subprime loans happening. We've got all this bubbling with the housing market and guess what happens? Lenders now are purposely packaging these loans and what I call them were garbage loans. People who should not have gotten these loans who were now doing stated income were stating that they earned, let's say $10,000 a month to afford a $5,000 mortgage. Now that's a, not, not including other expenses, my DTI ratio right there is already at 50%, which is extremely high. Extremely high, which means you're one paycheck away from being homeless, right? The, and they do have ratios. They, they've, 
they've got their formulas it can exceed a certain amount uh, my rule of thumb when i teach the youth and just calculating what your rent should be or what your mortgage should be in comparison to how much gross income you're bringing it's one third divided by one oh, divided by three take what you make a month divided by three that's what your rent should be that's what your mortgage should be and as you realize that's when you know that's when you know that when you're applying for an application what do they say we need you to make at least three times the rent robert biggs you can't go wrong if you don't what, what, what you're saying i love your saying don't think i don't pay attention he says that is an excellent point regarding credit scores one of my industry colleagues and current president by the way shout out to you we've got some presidents in the building <laughs> of one of our real estate local real estate boards very very uh great to see you stepping into those shoes and congratulations yes so so here you have it you know it's important that we are the voice for the people uh in terms of credit scores and getting caught up and you know just stack your money stack <laughs> stack your money if you need down payment assistance and all those other programs now they're scrutinizing credit scores now they're they're on you about it but listen other, other than that it's it's stack your money Thank you. Grady says, I'm here. He's saying, uh, can I get a two? Can I get a two? Press two. Let me know if you've shared it. That way we can empower other people, see other people, let them know what's going on. Okay. So as I continue, now we've got these garbage loans that are being bundled and packaged, knowing, listen, lenders knowingly, appreciate it. Thank you, Grady. <laughs> knowing that these loans are likely to be non-performing a lot of a lot of big words today a lot of big concepts right non-performing conforming mortgage-backed securities subprime it's okay keep up with me the beautiful thing is i'm learning about online and replay you can go back and watch this and pause slow it down and realize when i'm giving you a definition I'm defining something for you so that we can continue the conversation. I love it. You know, my, my angle always is to have you have a base of knowledge so that you can meet, meet me at, you know, the 50 yard line. That's, that's where I want you to be at the 50 yard line. So we can go the full, the full, the whole nine together. Right. That's kind of the Avenue. That's the goal. All right. So with that, now we've got these garbage loans. The lenders knowingly package them. And what is the role of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae? Big government, their role is to buy those mortgages, right? This is why they call mortgage-backed securities. Ooh, securities. When I say securities, what does that remind you of? What do you think about when you hear securities? Hmm. Hmm. I'll wait. That was my pause break. Take a breath, because you know when I get on, I go in. Securities. What what was that? I think that was, is that a typo? Ah, there it goes. It was a typo. Very good. Stocks. Very good. And with stocks comes that thing called Wall Street. Yeah, okay, you see how this is coming into play? Thank you very much. Robert says stock market. Mm-hmm now but wait a minute lisa you were talking about real estate and me buying my home and me 
you know, not having the best credit score, but if I was in, uh, but if I got this arm adjustable rate mortgage, I could get a home. So how are we getting to stock market when you were talking about real estate? Oh, au contraire, Moshe, how the world turns. We are all interconnected and interdependent. And this is why I love if you go back and watch the documentary, see, they knew back somewhere in Iceland when their banks tanked, a ripple effect was coming. See, it's important if you are in real estate that you watch global markets, global markets, follow the money. All right, let's continue. So now we've got Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae who are purchasing loans, mortgage-backed securities, right? And this is all part of fiscal policy, fiscal policy. They inject more money into the economy because they're now purchasing these loans, right? And now these loans are going on to the secondary market, also known as our stock market. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm coming to this is because, see, we were waiting for the shadow inventory. Remember all these foreclosures? Oh, I mean, and we did have a wait. We had a snippet of foreclosures, but guess what? How many of you noticed not all those foreclosures hit the market? <gasps> and this will answer your question as to whether there's going to be a housing crash now. Because guess what? Something got perfected during the last crisis, housing crisis, financial crises. Something was perfected. Systems, policies, protections. I just made that up. Systems, policies, and protections. It came out, it just ooh, feels so good. It came out so nicely. Something was protected. Because some have been saying, oh, well, it's going to be a crash. I'm going to wait for the foreclosures. Listen, pay attention to what your governors have done. Some of your governors have passed laws to hinder the purchase of mass foreclosures, right? Some of them have passed policies and laws to create a buffer to control inventory. But more importantly, I wish you could see this wonderful piece I have on my wall, I don't have any pictures of my office, but I've got a Monopoly piece. And this was uh, this was a piece by LA Weekly that says, when Wall Street, when Wall Street is your landlord. Any of you here heard that news? Those foreclosures or shadow inventory did not hit the market. Why? Because guess what? my stock market and my Wall Street investors found out it was far more lucrative. There was more money in what people? Rents. Rents. There's more money in rents because people need what? Housing. Pay attention. Do we have any big push to build condos and townhomes? Where are incentives? It's not all wonderful you get a percentage of a tax credit for creating housing affordability in the mix of your multifamily housing developments. You get a, a teeny bit, 
Why? Because the incentive is not big enough. How many times have we seen the, the 800 square foot house being torn down? And I think, Mr. Biggs, you're in development, I, I believe. I don't know if you've I, I don't know if you've done a development project or I'm sure you work with developers, but this is an ongoing conversation I have with the developer clients, right? As they're looking about building out portfolios. There's more money in the rental markets, right? These are generations and properly done, life-changing, legacy building, wealth building. And that's what Wall Street figured out. And now we started to see all these little almost Google looking cars zipping around the neighborhoods, right? Because they're doing maintenance, they're doing, they're placing tenants. They're almost like the, 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 the police for the uh, Wall Street investors as they're kind of zipping in the area. <laughs> and what happened? A couple of things to save face. Some people who lost their homes were willing to now pay two and a half times as much for rent than the mortgage that they actually had in place. It's a cold game. It's a cold game. I think I have just one client that's still, I know there's a lot out there and this is all across the country. And this is why this whole movement about iBuyer was a big deal as well, is because now as Zillow has is closing down that, that department or has closed down department, about a thousand and something homes got sold to one investor. And those are properties that will not hit the market for owner occupied purchases. What is going to happen instead? They become rentals, single family rentals. Listen, listen, the issue is not that we need more down payment assistance programs, albeit with these government sponsored back mortgages and everything else. That's not the issue. The issue is the education and incentive needed to encourage a seller to accept a down payment assistance program from a buyer. Because the alternative is, is a nice cash offer from a developer who's going to tear it down and build apartments. How many times have we heard that story? I may be going on a tangent, but I'm just giving you the bigger picture. I'm giving you the bigger picture. So Mr. Big says, yes, I do gearing myself to building multiple unit projects, currently doing two triplexes. Goal is to build and hold apartments. And there you have it. The goal is to build and hold apartments. I would love to find out why aren't you building townhomes, condos? I'm not picking on you. I'm just going to be a little bit of the devil's advocate, if you will, just for conversation purposes. Why, why, Mr. Biggs or anyone else who's on here, would you build townhomes and condos? Because it's they're they're the cute same structure. You've got the same square footage, and you could just turn that into a condo. So now you have affordable homes for this next millennial generation or the Generation Z. All these remote this uh, what is it uh, W? FH generation work from home. Again, you know, that's all I love. I'm not picking on you, but for the point of conversation, why would you? I just got to, I have to hear it maybe, or we all need to hear it because I, people are like, oh, they're building units, they're building units and this and that and the gentrification and blah, blah, on and on and on. But let's 
talking about, we're talking about fiscal policy, we're talking about financing, investing, money, and all this other stuff as it relates to land. Why not build condos and townhomes? Would it make a difference if you were incentivized to do so? Because, see, we missed that part with opportunity zones. There was incentive there to build up the community. It wasn't this mass push of gentrification per se. It was a policy put in place to build up dilapidated areas to infuse money. Because why? No one was infusing money anyway. I wouldn't say no one. There weren't a large pool of people because I do know some that have always invested in the urban community. They were just now given the, uh, the tax benefit out uh, through opportunity zones. Okay, let's continue. Um, and we'll give Mr. Biggs to give us a, a response if he's still on. So yes, here we have now you, now the, the, the big banks, um, <laughs> Grady says, Mr. Biggs, same interest, interested in multifamily and almost so, but Lisa put me on game. Instead, converting single family to three doors. There you have it. It's <laughs> like telling on me. I feel you're telling on me. Lisa, put me on game. Just put me on spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you ask me, I listen, tell you what it is. Tell you what it is. I'm glad that that's what's happening. Um, so, yeah. That that's okay. Let let's see now. See this 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 is why I love the online engagement is because now we're learning from each other. This is what this is online real estate community. So now we have these uh, Wall Street investors, and we also have. You're absolutely welcome. You're absolutely gracious. Thank you. Absolutely, you're welcome. And uh, Mr. Big says, I'm still interested in that trip. <laughs> and you have now what's happening. You've got these annuities trading on the stock market. These annuities come in the form of real people and families paying high rents every month. You can't pay the rent on to the next. Now, depending where you are, in, depending where you are in the state, it is very pro tenant, which is why. Uh oh, now we're seeing. Now are we getting somewhere? Now we have pandemic, and now we have pandemic. And guess what was unveiled? How many corporations actually owned single family properties? How many corporations owned multifamily properties that were renting? They were the landlords because we just covered that right? Chapter, whatever. We just covered that. Foreclosure, Wall Street, landlord, pandemic. And now we see something that has not ever happened in a hundred years that it made it to the Supreme Court. What was that? Was anyone paying attention? What happened during the pandemic that made it to the Supreme Court? What was declared unconstitutional during the pandemic listen i'm giving i'm giving i'm giving them on i listen i got I, I got giveaways listen you get a ready set real estate cup first comment ready set real estate cup and you would have known this if you were paying attention to me when i was talking about this i was i was talking about this 
got a giveaway. This is a 16 ounce cup here for the first person, whoever responds, and then you'll DM me your address and I'll ship it out to you as a giveaway. What was declared unconstitutional during the pandemic? Yes, Grady, absolutely. The moratorium, he says rent stoppage is actually what he said. That is the answer. Yes, it made it to, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Shout out to my aunt. She says elections, elections, yeah, the elections are unconstitutional. Rent stoppage. It was unconstitutional for the government to step in and tell landlords what to do with their land to stop the whole thing about the rents. You know, Texas was a beast with that. Oh yeah, Texas wasn't playing. They were one of the first states that got rolling with more evictions. And now we are at about a thousand. It'll take easily about a, it's, it's a thousand cases tied up in evictions, but some states are rolling. They're moving it along. But see what got it, what was uncovered during that time. And I'm going to wrap this up because my point, I've got appointment in about uh, 30 minutes. I got a traffic and all that. What was happening at that time is that now there was this, okay, how do we help our homeowner, our mom and pop landlords, and also at the same time, not let corporations get away with trying to get these people out, et cetera, et cetera. That whole thing, that's what was happening in the background. That's what was happening. Okay. Good stuff, Grady. Listen, make sure you send me a DM or email me. This was fun, you guys. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Listen, you are more than welcome to drop me any topic suggestions. Be sure to tag and share. Let everybody know that we are back on live Wednesdays, live at 11, and we replay thereafter on radio podcasts. Uh, if you are a homeowner and you haven't received this freebie, it's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Homeowner's Guide to Success. They've got a neat budget sheet. Send me an email, lisa at lasuperagent.com. I'll say it again, lisa at lasuperagent.com. And then my tip of the day is make sure that as we are shifting into uh, just kind of readjusting with what's happening with those who were on forbearance plans, make sure you know the difference between your mortgage lender versus your mortgage servicer. They are not always one and the same. The reason why you want to make sure you know the difference is because when you are asking for help and you need help, uh, if you're experiencing financial hardship, you want to make sure you're communicating to the appropriate entity. Okay, make sure that they are crediting your payments because what most people don't know effective, the end of September, meaning October 1st, if you are on a forbearance plan, likely you are now going to start seeing a negative reporting on your credit. And then additionally to the forbearance plan, uh, Wells Fargo, with the exception of Wells Fargo, um, who declared they will not be pros processing foreclosures until January of 2022. For the most part, come December 31st, 2021, that is the end of time for those who are experiencing financial hardship as a result of pandemic in an effort to keep their homes. January 1st, 2022, they will now start to process 
those foreclosures, also known as notice of defaults, notice of trustee sales will start to begin to process. Now, remember what we talked about on this show. If you are sitting there waiting for a crash to come with 35% of those homeowners world, uh, excuse me, uh, nationally, nationally, 35% of mortgages are, are those GSEs, government sponsored enterprises that are going to be in default, are in default. Those are, those are uncle, 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 your, your big government are owning those loans. They have more protections in place than those that are not, meaning those private loans. So I'm cluing you in and I'm not going to give you all the answers sometimes, but I'm cluing you in what you should be paying attention to come 2022. With that, I say have a fantastic and productive week. I'll see you next week on Ready, Set, Real Estate. Thanks, guys. Take care.